Welcome to Crossroads Connection. This is a show all about having conversations surrounding life, ministry, and culture. I want to say a quick thank you to our friends at the Truth Network for airing this program. And welcome to everybody who are listening right now here on the Truth Network. We're always so grateful for all of our listeners, and we want to send out a special thank you to all of you who are joining us this holiday Christmas season here at Crossroads Fellowship. And I want to personally invite you, if you do not have a home church, if you're looking for a place to connect and plug in this Christmas, I want you to check out crossroads.org for more information about how you can join in with what we're doing throughout the month of December here at Crossroads Fellowship. Join us this Christmas at Crossroads Fellowship for a season filled with love, hope, joy, and peace. There is something for everybody, including Advent kits for kids and families beginning November 29th the Crossroads Christmas special on December 20th through 22nd, and our Christmas Eve candlelit services on December 23rd and 24th. Find more information at crossroads.org slash Christmas. So as we've been talking about here lately, we know that what's going on in the world around us has been a very much a disruption for the last almost, boy, it's going on almost a year. Can you believe that? Almost your last March, everything kind of shifted and changed. And I think at first, everybody kind of felt like it was an interruption. And hey, I think as a pastor, I thought that by Easter, uh, this past Easter, that we'd be back to somewhat of norm. And here we are now in mid-December going into Christmas. And wow, what a year this has been. This is a disruption, my friends. And a disruption simply means that things aren't probably going to go back quite the same way as they were before. And that's not really a bad thing because I think that it gives a church an opportunity, whether it's Crossroads or your church or you as the church, to make an impact in our world, maybe like we haven't done so before. You know, I think for churches, for pastors, and for maybe a lot of you listening, we've relied on programs or the church to fulfill the Great Commission. Nothing wrong with programs, nothing wrong with the church building, of course. But I wonder if we've lost sight in who we're supposed to be as it relates to how we're supposed to reach the world around us. I've been thinking a lot about that as the world has so much need right now, and it's ever-growing every single day, and we're seeing the world spin more and more chaos every single day. How wonderful it is to be the church, the bride of Christ, the hands and feet of Jesus, who can actually deliver a positive, grace-filled, mercy-filled relevant, salvation, repentive message to the world around us. But I think sometimes we get in our own way. Recently, I preached a message that I titled, The Problem with Religion and the Power of a Relationship. That's an old saying. We all know that to be true. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship. But I wonder what would happen, church, and I'm talking to you as the church, if we truly would lead with the relationship we have with Jesus first And then, you know, and then we kind of follow that up with all the other things, but lead out of love and lead out of humility and lead out of grace, basically lead the way Jesus would have led. I think right now, as we look at the world around us and listen, Christmas season is a wonderful time to introduce Jesus to people. Let's face it. Everybody is singing Christmas songs by this point. You might be tired of Christmas songs, but here's the reality. Here's the beauty of it. The world whether they want to or not, everywhere you go, you cannot escape Christmas songs. Not all of them are about Santa or not all of them are about a reindeer uh, or just singing, you know, about some bells somewhere, but there's a lot of it about the truth of who Jesus is. And I think what an opportunity you and I have right now to reach into a hurting, hurting world. 
So I want to take you to a recent message again I entitled The Problem with Religion and the Power of a Relationship. But first, we want to thank our sponsor, and you can go ahead and listen to this quick word from our sponsor, and then we'll jump right into the message. Perhaps you've asked yourself this question, are you running the business or is the business running you? How might your teams grow if your teams were driving the business forward instead of you? You are sitting on a wealth of untapped opportunity. It takes courage to learn how to create a culture where your people are truly empowered to own their seats. My name's Cheryl Scanlon, business and executive coach. Visit C3Advantage.net. That's C3Advantage.net. So today I want to help us. I want to help you as the church and me as the church, as well as the, the Church of Crossroads Fellowship. How do we now take this hope for the world? We've already identified that the, the world needs a church like you. The world needs a church like Crossroads. So now when we go into the world, present it, how do we actually handle the obstacles of what's going on? So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 17. We're going to be in verses 22 to 32. This is now as the gospel is being preached. And Paul now is out and he's evangelizing. He's spreading the good news. And he runs into something pretty amazing. And his response to the religious people and the religion that he sees is such a beautiful example and model. So we're going to model Paul's response to the people he's speaking to in Acts chapter 17. But the first point is simply this. The first point, can we just all agree that religion is broken? Religion is broken. Now, again, granted, I, I didn't say relationship is broken or necessarily that churches are broken or denominations are broken. But religion is broken. Now, watch this. In verse 22, it says, So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, this colonnade, this colonnade with all these statues, is where, is where the people of the time would come and they would debate and they would discuss different things, including science and religion and politics and life. And Paul's going there. And Paul's a brilliant man. He's a brilliant theologian. He goes there and he simply says, he says, men of Athens. So just imagine as you're watching this and you're here with me that this whole room is filled and there's colonnades and there's statues everywhere. And he's in Athens, he says, men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. It's not necessarily a compliment, by the way. He wasn't necessarily complimenting them and how religious they were. He's just simply noting, you all are pretty religious. You got this religion thing down. And, uh, and he's going to explain this in just a moment. He says, for as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, Objects of your worship. Just think about that for a moment. All the different things that people were worshiping. All the different things that people were identifying as their hope. As maybe even their God. He says, I also found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. So just a quick snapshot. Paul walks into the Areopagus. It's where they all discuss the things of the times. There's statues and altars that are dedicated to all the known gods that everybody knows, just in case they miss any of them, right? They're, they make sure their bases are covered. We're going to worship this God and this God and this God and this God. And in case we miss any, we're just going to make one for the unknown God. In other words, these people are just making sure all their bases are covered because they actually didn't know the one true God. And come on, isn't this what's happening in the world? Everybody has their own altars and all the stuff that they worship without actually knowing the one true God that is the answer to everything that they're facing in life. So you might be having, maybe your altar is the altar of your finances and your job. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your own skill set. Maybe right now it's the altar of politics. 
right? Whatever that altar is that you are putting your hope in, I'm going to say the same thing to you that Paul said to those people. Listen, I'm going to make that unknown God known to you today. Here's the problem with religion. Let's just address some of the problems because we're seeing it happen. And at times, if we're not careful, the religious part of us might come up and trump that relationship part. Because again, the goal is a relationship. So here's the problem with religion. The first one is that it becomes a I have to mentality instead of an I get to mentality. I have to. I have to go to church. I have to be nice. I have to be kind. I have to read my Bible. I have to give financially. Right. So religion kind of just gives us a checklist. It's just what we do. It's who we are versus no, no, no. I, I actually get to join God in my generosity. I actually get to join him in giving of what he's already given me back. I get to join God in hope. I get to join God in being kind because it's not something I just have to do. I actually want to be kind. I actually want to live my life with empathy and kindness and gentleness. I actually get to participate in life and offer somebody hope. I actually get to go to church and I, I get to volunteer. I get to help somebody else out. See, there's, there's two different sides to that. And religion just makes it, I, I have to. I just, I have to go because it's what I was raised to do. It's who I am. It's what my parents do. It's what we're supposed to do on a Sunday. It's what we're supposed to do at Christmas time. We, we have to go and participate. No, that's religion. See, the other side of it, I get to actually join this. And here's the thing. What happens, the problem with religion is that it actually removes the relationship, which removes personal responsibility. The danger of this religion trap, the problem with religion is that it, it removes my personal responsibility because it takes the relationship out. And so if the relationship is out, my personal responsibility is just checking off a box. It's just, it's just kind of doing what I think I have to do as opposed to, no, I, I actually have to own this. I, I'm personally responsible as a follower of Jesus to spread the good news of the gospel. As a follower of Jesus, I, I am convicted and have a responsibility to go and to witness and to be a witness. I have the responsibility and I get to be part of giving financially and of my time and of my effort and my skills. See, I, that's all part of who I am. But if we hold it at an arm's length, it kind of removes that personal responsibility. Are you responsible for your neighbor? Are you responsible? Are you your brother's keeper, as it says in Scripture? Are you responsible for your workplace? Well, the answer is kind of yes. There's a personal responsibility that you and I have to proclaim the good news of Jesus. The other problem with religion is this, is that it is, it's absolutely easy to manipulate religion. And people have been manipulating religion since the Old Testament. People have been manipulating religion and manipulating who God is and can be for their own personal gain or for an organizational gain. And if we're not careful, again, we could take our knowledge of God and this knowledge of religion and we could start to turn it and twist it to make it sound and feel, well, just how we want it to be, which leads to kind of the next little point is that is that truth becomes relevant instead of grounded in scripture. Truth becomes what is truth to you? And see, that's what religion does. It, it takes that personal responsibility out. It takes that relationship out and it kind of just turns it and says, well, what is true to you? If we look in scripture and we see what scripture says, is that true to you or, or is that just kind of relative to what's happening, right? It's this, it's this relative truth as opposed to putting truth in the person of Jesus. See, church, here's the thing when it comes to religion is that you and I, we have an opportunity 
and may I even say a responsibility and a calling to make the unknown God known. Wow, what a, what a, just think about that for a moment. What a great opportunity we all have right now, right here, to make this unknown God as the world is scrambling. And maybe that's your neighbors and maybe even people in your own household or it's your job or in your school, wherever it is. There are people just scrambling, looking for an answer. And so they're trying to put their answer in who gets voted in or they're trying to put their answer in their own job and their own security. And they're scrambling, trying to just make sense of it all. Because right now, can we just all agree right now, common sense isn't very common right now. And we're just seeing so many random things that don't make sense, whether it's things about COVID or about politics or about racism or about moral justices and all these things. You look out and there's so many different views and opinions and a lot of them just don't make sense at all. And people are just gravitating to whatever is true to them as opposed to what's actually true in Scripture. So you and I have an opportunity, a calling. And what a great time in our lifetime to look at the world and look at that person that's next to you and just say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the solution. I'm going to tell you the answer of what you've been looking for. It's not found in all these other things. And this God that might seem unknown to you, let me make him known. Is that not our calling? Is that not what we are called to do? Is that not what the early church went out to do as the early church were following the, the roads that led to all these other cultures and all these other countries? And they went in making this unknown Jesus known to them. And Jesus was saving people's lives. And many people are coming to know Jesus. I'm believing that that will happen today. I think what's happening right now is that this world is setting itself up for a great revival and a great awakening. But that happens when you and I actually believe in who we worship. Which leads to the second point about the problem with religion. And the second point answers the question with, a, with the answer that God is not far from you. This is a great reminder. If we look and say, okay, religion is broken, we see that and here's why. But the answer is that God's actually not that far from you. And I love how Paul, he's walking these people through it. So let's go to verse 24. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Of course, Paul is speaking this in somewhat of a colonnade temple area made by man. And you can imagine Paul walking around like, listen, the, the God who made everything you see, this world and everything in this world, who made you, who made me, doesn't live in some stone statue he doesn't live in some temple that's made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. Since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Verse 26 says, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. Of course, now he's tying in the, the story of Jesus, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. Verse 27 says that they should seek God and perhaps find their way towards him and find him. I actually love that little verse there. Paul's describing everything you see. We could say the same thing. Listen, everything you see here, all that you see has been created by a God who loves you, who's here with you, and he is in and through all things that we see. And quite honestly, 
you can find your way to him. And here's the reason why. The last part of verse 27. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. And then Paul, using poets of their own time, goes on and says, for in him we live and we move and we have our being, even as some of your own poets have said. And he begins to quote some of their own poets, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and the imagination of man. I I love Paul's response. Again, you got a picture in the setting. Paul, as he's probably talking, is pointing to all these stone images and all the wealth that is there in Athens. And he's pointing all that saying, listen, God does not live in any of the stuff that you made. You did not imagine God. You cannot create and fashion this God to your own likeness and your own being. This is a God that's been and always has been. He is the God that created everything you see here. In him, and I love Paul uses, note he uses the wording of their time. In other words, what they were actually writing beautifully about, about all these other gods, Paul's saying that you've even written about this. In him we move and we have our being. So let's just answer a question real quickly. Why is it at times do we feel as though God is far away? Why is it at times that you and I might feel that this God that can be known and wants to be known, by the way, it's not just that God can be known, he wants to be known. Why is it at times that I feel as though he's so far away? And yes, I said I, because we all feel that. I think every one of us right now this morning has all from time to time felt as though God is way over here and I'm way over here. And here's a couple reasons maybe why. Just a a gut check moment. Maybe it's because our attention has been drawn away from God and onto our problems. So instead of following God and looking at him for the answer, we start to look at what we can do in our own imagination and what we can create and what we can solve by ourselves. Or we look at at how big the problems are that we're facing right now. We can look at this world around us and say, wow, there's so many problems and they seem so big. And we start focusing on the big problems instead of on a bigger, all-knowing, all-powerful God. And so maybe it's because our attention, we feel distant from God because our attention is no longer on him and worshiping him. Instead, it's, it's on these problems that we're facing. And this is what happens when that happens. Now, when that happens, we human-size God. We take this God that is infinite, this God that is all-knowing, all-powerful, this God that is everywhere all the time, that has always been, this God that can create everything in the universe that we see just by speaking it into existence, right? So you get the picture. God's pretty powerful. He's pretty awesome. And yet we take this powerful, awesome God and we make him just our size. We view him as if he's just one of us, limited in his power, limited in his knowledge, limited in his capabilities and his talents. And when we human-size God, we, in a sense, limit God's reach. It's not because God can't reach. It's not because God can't perform miracles. It's kind of what we talked about last week, that perhaps we're not seeing miracles of the time. Perhaps we're not seeing God move in powerful ways because we, his church, has stopped believing and saying, in the name of Jesus, there is power, there is healing, there is deliverance, there is freedom. Maybe it's because we have have human size and made God really, really small. 
Another reason why I think at times we feel as though God is far away is because we've allowed our emotions to dictate our theology. We allow how we feel currently right now about all that we're seeing in the world. We allow how we feel about people that we know and respect. We allow how we feel about ourselves and even about God to dictate now the theology of Scripture. In other words, we have a scripture that says what is right and what is wrong. We have scripture that says that this is how you should live and what Jesus can offer you. And we can stand on that and believe that. But what happens when somebody that you love and respect views that differently? See, what happens, we're not careful. We allow the emotions of how we feel towards somebody to now start to question whether or not our theology is right. When we say that this is the way we should live and we should walk in it, and you can pick about any topic you want. You can pick in this category. That God said, I'm supposed to live my life this way. But somebody that I love and respect is choosing to live their life this way. And because of our emotional connection to them, it, it allows us to have theology drift. And then we look in the world around us and we see the world and the religion of the world, possibly, changing the game, changing the theology. Again, this is why it was so important last week that one of our points about what the world needs is a church and people that are in sound doctrine and theology and in fellowship with one another. Because if we do not have fellowship with each other and we start to lose ground in our theology and doctrine and it's on shaky ground and it starts to, to shift from under our feet, then at times, if we're not careful, we human-size God and we also allow our emotions to dictate really truly what we know is true. And so then we operate in a posture that says, well, God, you owe me something. Because again, now we got kind of bad theology and we got our emotions tied into it and we made God small. We look at all the problems of the world and, and if we're not careful, what religion will do and what we will do to ourselves is we will act as if God owes me something. Can I just remind you and maybe tell you for the first time, God doesn't owe you anything. In fact, the very salvation that God offers us, the very gift of grace that God offers us, he doesn't even owe us that. And yet he chose to give it to us freely. See, God at times might not answer your prayers the way you think he should. And again, when we pray and we ask God to move and, and to do a work and he doesn't answer the way we should, then at times we feel as though we're far away. But you know, the belief of the time was this, and I think this is so true for today. The belief in the time that the gospel is being written is that God is as close as your very next breath. So wherever you are, and this, might, this might seem a little strange, especially if you're maybe around people who don't know, but, but just wherever you are, just for a moment, just, just breathe out. Just go, just, just breathe out. Come on, just do it with me. Just breathe out. Every breath you take, God is in that breath. That was the belief then. It was the belief of how close God was to you. But it's true. God is as close as your very next breath. Which is why Paul wrote, God is not far from you. He's right there in your moment. He's the one who gave you that breath. And so as we start to see about why we might feel distant from God, just be reminded, he's actually right there with you. Even in the middle of the pain and sorrow you might be feeling, even in the middle of the confusion and the anxiousness and the worry, that you are. So what would happen now if we take our next breath and we believe that God's right there with us? 
The third and final point this morning about the problem with religion is kind of a solution to some of this, but also it's a call to your feet. It's, it's a gut check moment again. And that is simply this. I've entitled number three, ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is not bliss. In other words, having a, a head knowledge of God or just knowing about God, that is not the answer. Ignorance of God is not bliss, not happiness. True happiness is found only in actually understanding God to a degree that you and I have a relationship with them. Let's continue the passage of verse 30. It says, the times of ignorance God overlooked. In other words, you all have been ignorant to this point because you didn't know, but now you know. And the times of ignorance God has overlooked, but now, now he's commanded all people everywhere to repent. God, you, you had your time of ignorance. You, you kind of had your time of making man-sized God and, and making all these statues. But now God is calling us all into repentance because he has fixed the day on which he will judge the world. And he will judge the world in righteousness by a man who he has appointed. Now, Paul, of course, is tying this now to Jesus. And that this man that he has given assurance to by raising him from the dead. Now, when they heard of the, of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked it. Others said, we will hear you again about this. Verse 33, so Paul went out from their midst, but some of them actually joined him and believed. Listen, you and I, we can no longer act as if we don't know. We can no longer act in, in multiple ways. We can't be ignorant to what's happening in the world around us. We can't just hide our head against the pain and the sorrow and the distractions and the anxiousness and the worry. You can't, you can't just hide from COVID. You can't hide from racial issues. You can't hide from election issues. You can't hide from your own personal issues. You can't be ignorant to what's happening in the world around you. But at the same time, you can't also be ignorant to what God can actually do, to who God actually is. And if you focus too much on the problems of the world and you're ignorant to the things of God, Thank you for joining and listening to our program today. And thank you to Crossroads Fellowship and the Truth Network for making this show possible. You can find out more information about Crossroads Fellowship at crossroads.org. If this show has impacted you, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at info at crossroads.org. Thank you to C3 Advantage for sponsoring this program. We look forward to having you join us on the next show. Your success as a leader hinges upon buy-in from your teams, clear and consistent communication from you, and strategic delegation. My name's Cheryl Scanlon. C3 Advantage helps you steward your most valuable resource well, improve retention, grow employee engagement, and generate higher team and individual ownership. The success of your organization begins with you and depends on your team. Go deeper as a leader and watch your organization go further. Visit c3advantage.net at c3advantage.net.